I'm Russ White at the Network Collective, and this is a Network Collective short take. In this short take, I'll be talking about fixing the problem. Many years ago, I worked in electronic engineering rather than network engineering. Specifically, I worked on airfield electronics, like radar systems and VORs and TACANs and all sorts of interesting things like that. This was back before there were floors, of course, so we just swept the dirt up to keep it clean in all the shelters. There was this day back in those old days when I was cleaning up the dirt when the weather radar failed, which caused major problems for the airfield at which I worked. Before I go further, it's important to get a solid grasp of this particular radar system that we use for mapping out and understanding the shape and intensity of storms. The installation date was 1964. It was serial number 001. While some parts have been replaced over the years with solid state components, most of the systems and circuits were still made up of tubes. And when I say solid state, I don't mean modern microprocessor computer type things. I mean like individual transistors that have been used to replace individual tubes, which are triads. So you'd have a transistor replacing a triad in a circuit, and you'd still have the individual resistors and capacitors and inductors soldered into circuit boards around those transistors. We had a problem in the range height indicator, which would tell us what the tops of the clouds were. So the antenna could rotate side to side or around in a circle, and it could also rotate up and down. So as you tilted it up and down, you could actually see on the range height indicator what the height of the tops of the clouds were. This was really, really important for gauging the intensity of a particular storm. Higher tops mean stronger storms. The RHI circuits, range height indicator circuits, actually contained two operational amplifiers. For those of you not familiar with electronics, an operational amp is a highly biased class B, class C, can be anything from class A to class C amplifier. They take a very small signal and amplify it huge amounts in a single stage in a single amplifier. They do this by using a pair of triodes or transistors. Um, in essence, they put the two triodes against each other and they're biased with a capacitor circuit such that a small signal is amplified radically going through the two triodes. If the circuit gets too much out of specification, however, one of the tubes, in this case they were tube type operational amplifiers, would be driven to its limit and it would be destroyed. The circuitry inside the tube, the grid and the cathode and the emitter would actually just simply melt and it would go away like a light bulb. As it turned out, this is precisely what had happened. A slight mistune had caused the circuit to overdrive, causing one of the circuits, one of the tubes in the operational amplifier to go into an intermittent failure. In building an operational amplifier with tubes, it's very, very important to match the characteristics of the tubes. Again, these are finely tuned circuits, and the two tubes that are operating, operating against one another must be closely matched. So we carefully used the tube tester and went through the 10 or 15 or 20 tubes we had in stock on hand for that particular replacement, and we found a pair that matched. There was one slight problem. The plastic piece on the bottom of one of the tubes, the key as it was called, had broken off. This was the piece that only allowed you to put the tube in in a particular orientation within the socket. So we put the tube in, we, we got everything to where it seemed like it was okay, and then I said, it's time for a smoke test, and we turned the radar on and smoke poured out of the RHI drawer. It was, of course, amusing that the smoke test had failed in quite a spectacular way to everyone except the weather station chief. 
You have to realize that with this radar down, the entire airfield had to be put into a reduced operational state. We had to reduce the number of sorties that we could fly. We had to reduce all sorts of things like this. Now, the chief could have screamed, and I'm certain he felt tempted to scream just at that moment. The radar system now needed more than just a couple of tubes to fix it. It needed an entire section of the RHI circuitry because capacitors and resistors and all sorts of things had blown up when the tube had been inserted the wrong way and had been powered on. While we were trying to get all these parts, the airfield would operate at a lower readiness level and a slower operational rate. But instead of screaming, I still remember what the, air, what the weather station chief said. He looked at us and he said, fix the problem, not the blame. This was a valuable lesson I've carried with me throughout my engineering career ever since. In the midst of the worst problems you can have, there is a strong tendency to figure out who is at fault, to pass the buck, to pass the blame. But figuring out who is at fault will not get you one step closer to actually solving the problem, no matter what the problem is. If you take away anything from this kind of crazy story about tube type operational amplifiers and smoke tests, I want you to think about this. The next time you're in a major, major problem, fix the problem, don't fix the blame. There's a radical difference between these two things. So that's it for this time. Remember, you can find me at Network Collective and at rule11.tech, where you'll find lots of great content on network engineering and thinking skills for the network engineer. Thanks.